fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the Monday, greatest day of the entire week, setting the tone for the rest of the week, my friends, and with a holiday thrown in the middle of it as well. I'd say it's a pretty darn good day. Welcome into it. Let's carpe diem all over this place. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome aboard. Great to have you. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. We have a loaded show for you today. Holy cow. Now, tomorrow, obviously, is being Halloween, so welcome in. We're going to have some fun with our scariness tomorrow. Weird news well, of the today. day. Not today. A little bit tomorrow, so we'll have some fun there. Uh, but we had a wild weekend, and we're starting off the week a little bit strange here as well. Bottom of this hour, we have Holly Swenson. She is an author of the book Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow. As the book talks about ways that parents can be more involved with their children, we'll talk about the book. We'll talk about how social media is impacting children, anxiety, public education system, and so much more. How you can be more involved and be more in tune with your children as the world is ever-changing. And with each generation, while we think we know the answers because of what we went through with our childhoods, it's a little bit different each and every generation, and that's no different with what's going on right now and how we can prepare the youth of America moving forward. So we'll have that conversation with Holly. And I have to say, what a time it is to be alive, right? I mean, what a time! The technology's changing, the weather's changing. Apparently, climate change. We're all going to die here soon, so we don't have to worry about a whole lot. I guess more than like after what eight or nine or ten years. Although they said that like thirty years ago, and we're still cranking. So who knows if we can believe that one or not? But what a time to be alive! Now, I was always taught growing up that if you want something, you have to work for it, and the more work you put into it, the better output you're going to get. Right? So the better effect that you're going to have, the cause and effect. You put more work into it, you're going to have a better response at the end of the day. You invest early on, you're going to get a return on that investment later on if you do the work at the beginning. You can either be uncomfortable by working out really, really hard and being fit, whereas later you can be healthy, or you can be fine now, and then later if you don't put in that work, then you can be unhealthy and be going to the doctor all the time with medical issues and being on a whole bunch of pharmaceutical pills. Like, you have those choices. The world's a beautiful place because you get to make the choice on how your life is going to play out in front of your eyes. That's kind of interesting. But what a time to be alive in the work industry, for example. Because having been taught growing up that the more you work, the more you get out of it, if you work harder then you get recognized and rewarded for that. Not that you're necessarily going for a reward, except for maybe a better compensation, maybe a promotion in your work, that the harder that and the more that you put into it, the better outcome you're going to have. Job security, promotions, raises, whatever it may be. Nowadays, apparently, though, that's not really the, the focal point in society. Now, remember how we built this nation. Let's start off there, shall we? How did we build this? We built this nation by a bunch of individuals who built everything from essentially nothing, from scratch. We're going to start with a clean slate. We're going to build a cabin in the woods. We're going to fend off a whole bunch of animals and a bunch of crazy people and a bunch of looters and rioters and, and, and outlaws or whatever. We are going to start something from absolutely nothing. 
and the hardship that went into that that barely made it many, many times. Nowadays, apparently we want to do less of the work but not have that compensation be lowered. According to the latest study from the Wall Street Journal, and oh yes, this is teeing up for something that I'm sure you're very well aware of, but the latest stats from the Wall Street Journal shows that nowadays workers are doing less of the work for the same amount of pay. And it makes sense of the Biden administration, right? We're just going to go and get our unemployment benefits, but we're not even talking about that. Inflation, obviously, making things more expensive, so we can't go down on our pay or or our salaries, but yet we're working less. As now, there's growing number of amount of time paid uh, for paid time off. There's the family leave. There's the sick leave. There's the vacation time. There's the expanded paid benefits all at the same time. So you're doing less work and less working least amount of hours or at least the number of days in the year, but yet you're not going down and pay your compensation. Now, there's an argument to be made that in the country of Europe, they take a lot more time off. They take like four weeks of vacation time. They have like six months for uh, for the maternal or paternal leave, whatever, after you have a child, that you have a lot more time off and that they say that those nations are happier. They're not happier. They're more content. And there is a difference. Happy is like you're actually joyful. You're giddy about it. You're happy. Content, you're just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not striving to be the bigger, better, faster, stronger. And these nations like Denmark and Finland, these other nations that are beautiful countries, I want to go and visit them sometime, they're always ranked as the happiest nations on the face of the earth. They're not. They're not the happiest. They're the most content. They're good with what they have. They're not striving to make it better. They're not striving to make it bigger. They're not striving to get more. They're just content with the way things are. I'm ready to just coast the rest of my life with what I have and I'm happy. There's a difference there. American values are a lot different than that. And this is maybe a negative for some of you on the other side of the aisle who just think that we're always out to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. But that's what we are. That's what America is. And that's what made America great is the bigger, better, faster, stronger. I'm going to build the biggest tower. I'm going to build the biggest business. I'm going to make the most amount of revenue that I've ever made in my career. I'm going to grow uh, for a radio show. I'm going to grow with more radio affiliates. I'm going to grow with more revenue. I'm going to grow with whatever. That That's the goal at the end of the day. And do you ever meet that mark? Well, I mean, you want to be happy. You want to be grateful for what you have, but you never want to stay stagnant. That's at least what I was always taught growing up. You never want to be stagnant because if, you, if you're stagnant, then you begin to fall behind, right? If you're stagnant and you become just complacent, then as society continues to grow, as the markets continue to grow, As things begin to change with technology or whatever aspect that you're looking at, then you fall behind and then you become irrelevant and then your streamline of revenue or source or or work or wealth or whatever begins to dwindle because you didn't stay up with it. You have to grow in order to survive. And whether that's a good thing or bad thing, that's more of a theoretical conversation that we can have later. But with with people working less and being paid the same, is that a good thing for the market? I ask you that question. And yes, it does lead into the latest in what's trending story of the day. What's trending today? As I'm sure you've heard that the UAW strikes after six weeks are officially almost over. The UAW workers actually have to vote to approve it. But it sounds like more than likely this is going to be uh, something that is approved and move forward as the closure, according to some, is a positive thing. But that means that there are also some tough times ahead for many of these Detroit businesses making those cars in the nation because... 
the the labor unions, the UAW, got a lot of what they were actually looking for, even to the agreement and the acknowledgement from the president of the UAW that they got things that they never expected to receive during these negotiations. Now, hold on, hold on here. That being said, that being said, we have to acknowledge what they've done for the past six weeks. They went in, and for just a refresher for you, if you don't remember, they went into those negotiations saying they want to increase the average salary to, four, what was it, $40 an hour, $50 an hour. They wanted to do that while going to a 32-hour work week instead of a 40-hour work week. They wanted automatic bumps in pay to compete against inflation. They wanted a baseline salary for everybody as opposed to a tiered system for seniors, uh, for uh, tenured workers compared to new newbies coming into the workforce. They also wanted increased benefits on top of everything else. And it was an astronomical amount, and it was laughable. Even they admitted that it was laughable during those negotiations. But yet they held firm to those negotiations for an entire six weeks, putting a stall on essentially the production of a massive amount of new auto uh, vehicles going into the market. Now, it was already a tough market for the auto industry because of computer chips and the shortage that we had over the last couple of years. The COVID-19 pandemic with the shipping issues that we've had and supply chain problems, along with inflation under the Biden administration that has made things extremely difficult to be able to afford anything at a rational amount. And while they admitted that what they were asking for was really irrational, they continued to stick to those negotiation bullet points for six weeks. Six weeks. They're like, yeah, we totally know it's unfeasible, but we don't care. We're just going to destroy the entire industry while we ask for these things, knowing we probably aren't going to get them. And you can feel, you, you know exactly how I feel on the labor unions in general. Well, now here's what the deciding factor came to by the end of the day is apparently they're now going to increase wages to an average salary for all unionized workers to be in the mid $80,000 range. Now, I'm not knocking anybody on whether they deserve this or not, but I do have to ask a question. If you are on an assembly line in a factory, usually as an entry-level position, does that really entail $80,000 worth of your brain power in order to do that job? Because, again, jobs in the private, laissez-faire, free market capitalist society are supposed to be based on your qualifications, based on what you bring to the table. And someone who... Let's just be honest, someone who is a doctor, for example, who has gone through years of medical studies and practices in college and has done years of research and years of studying to memorize all this stuff uh, and walks out, it makes about $100,000 as an entry level. I don't know, maybe more. Who knows? I'm not a doctor. Let's just say $100,000, $150,000. Someone that stands in a single position and works on a assembly line for 10 hours a day, is there really an equivalency of what you bring as a value to the company or to society in general. And I'm not knocking it because I've worked in a factory myself. I've worked on the assembly line. I've done the 412s uh, or the 410s and then had to work overtime on top of that. I've done that. So I, I'm not just knocking an industry. You're like, oh, a bunch of dummies. That's not the case at all. So don't get me wrong here. I've done those jobs. I put in my time. I've worked it. I've worked third shift bagging ice at an ice factory. And guess what? I didn't make $80,000 an hour, $80,000 a year. I made about $8 an hour, $10 an hour, whatever it was at the time. I don't remember. But I've done those jobs. It's not easy work. Don't get me wrong. But I know that I wasn't out there picketing saying that I deserve $50,000, $60,000, $80,000 a year because, by golly, I can't survive without that money. 
because I understand of the value that I bring to a company. You're doing mass production for a product that's already extremely expensive on all the other factors that are involved in the industry, and the UAW doesn't give a rip. And now that they have this, they have their $80,000 as an annual salary, a 25% increase in the general wage increase over the next four years uh, for the contract that ends in 2028, when I'm sure we get to do, deal with this garbage all over again. At the same time, they're also getting an increase in benefits. They're also getting bumps in pay during inflation inflationary times and a lot more. Guess what? The auto industry has already come out and said, expect a major price increase on vehicles coming out because that's the only way that they can survive. And again, this is what labor unions don't seem to understand is that when you uh, squeeze the company this much, there's two options. The company can either raise the price of the good in order to survive or they shut doors or I guess they can just move all the companies uh, manufacturing overseas, which is not good for anybody because, well, now you're out of a job completely. And with the increase in EVs, that sounds like that's going to be more of a reasonable thing for many of these companies to do. So congratulations. We're expecting a near eight to nine hundred dollar per vehicle increase because of these demands that the UAW has made. So if you're out trying to buy a vehicle my recommendation is to get one relatively soon before a lot of these increases take over because it's going to be really expensive to get another vehicle. Another $1,000 on top of what you were doing before. I guess maybe that's not a whole lot for some, but for those that are not able to afford a brand new vehicle, that's a whole nother $1,000 you have to figure out on how to pay for a vehicle that isn't really worth that much. Well, according to the UIW, they don't really care. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So during that last segment, I had flashbacks, man. I had flashbacks to work in third shift begging ice in an ice factory. I tell you, that was brutal. That was brutal. I mean, it gives you the uh, the work ethic that you need when it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're desperately trying not to doze off and there's two of you at the factory and you're just sitting there trying not to nod off as you're just waiting for the next bag to fill up. It's 100 degrees outside, but yet you're in there and you have to wear a hoodie in the middle of summertime because you're trying to bag all these bags of ice and get the pallets all set up so that way in the morning at 5 o'clock the truckers can get there, load the pallets onto the truck, and then drive and go deliver them to the gas stations and the grocery stores and all those other places, man. And uh, I want to say it was like maybe 13 bucks an hour because I know overnight was a little bit more in that third shift. But yeah, that was that was brutal. But guess what? We've done it. Everybody's done that. They're not supposed to be lifelong career positions. They're supposed to be stepping stones. And not to say that you can't make a good living off of being a factory worker, being a production manufacturer like that. God bless you. The fact that you use your hands and work like that each and every day, working and sit on, standing on your feet 10, 12 hours a day. God bless you, my friends. It's amazing. I live in the Wichita area here. We have the aviation industry. God bless you guys for your work and on the airplanes and doing it right to where we don't see airplanes like completely just fall out of the sky. Like that would be devastating. So God bless you. At the same time, we have to as we've forgotten what private markets are like. And if you've been with a company more than 20 years, 30 years, whatever, you deserve pay increases. Absolutely. You deserve better benefits. You deserve to be tenured at least to a degree where you get taken care of more so than the uh, the green the green guy that's here that's just starting off. In the company, that's the way that private markets work. And if you feel you're not being compensated properly, you get to negotiate 
individually, not as an entire collective group, because that's just stupid. Because then you get the people that just slack off and we start seeing studies like this where you're making the same amount of money with working less and less and less because we have a new generation that apparently is forgetting about what work ethic is all about. This is not a knock on the blue collar workers. This is a knock saying that you deserve more than what probably that guy is next to you who's not putting in the same amount of work ethic as you. It's about it, the individual. It's not about the collective here. And we've forgotten what it's like in the private market because you know what's going to happen is that the price of the vehicles are going to go up and less people are going to be able to afford them. Or we'll just start paying more out of it. Why? Because, well, we got to get a new vehicle, so might as well just pay for it. And then guess what? Then we're going to hear all these arguments about how the, how the auto industry is making all this money and the car dealers are making all this money and how the auto industry is making all this money and how they're raping and pillaging the consumer. Well, guess what? They're going to charge as much as they can is and people still be able to buy them. And if they see a decrease in sales, then they'll lower the prices because that's the beauty of a magic uh, supply and demand private economy is that you set the prices for the most amount of people to be able to afford them. And right now, a UAW strike like this, the increase in wages like this is throwing that balance off kilter because now you're raising the price in order to sustain yourself when people aren't going to want to afford to buy it. Although, on the other hand, people are going to buy it and just do whatever they want to because what the hell. We saw the headline as well from McDonald's seeing that for the first time in years, their quarterly traffic, the amount of people actually buying McDonald's burgers, is down over 10%. But yet, their income, their revenue is up. And they're raising prices on a lot of their goods. In fact, Connecticut has been ranked the most expensive McDonald's with $18 Big Mac meals at McDonald's. Now, I'm just here to throw this out there. If I were to have $18 to go somewhere for lunch, I'm not getting a McDonald's burger. I'm sorry. If I have $18, if I have a $20 bill, I'm like, gee, where am I going to go to lunch today? If I have 20 bucks, I'm going to go somewhere where at least it's a little bit higher quality. Nothing against McDonald's. I've eaten them plenty of times again. But I'm going to go. It's, now, if I have $5, I'm going to go to the McDonald's, uh, McDonald's dollar menu. But if I have 18 bucks in my pocket, gee, where am I going to go to lunch today? McDonald's is not that top priority on where I'm actually going to go and spend that money. I'm sorry. But they're going to raise prices up to the point where consumers stop spending that money. So it's up to you, consumer, who's forgotten all your power. You get to decide on where you're going to spend your hard-earned money. Are you going to spend an extra $1,000 on a vehicle because the workers say that they want an $80,000 salary to stand in one spot for 10 hours? I don't know. That's up for you to decide if you go and buy a new vehicle. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Always a pleasure to have you with us. It's a Monday, greatest day of the entire week. It's time for us to carpe diem all over this place, baby. <laughs> it's what we do here on this show. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations all over the place. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. So we'll get back to the economy here in just a little bit. It is interesting how consumer spending habits have been very intriguing. While inflation continues to rise, all these companies are recording profits that are bigger than before, which is fine. But is that because we're raising the prices so we're spending more money on the same things? Or are we actually spending on more goods? 
I'm curious on that. And especially now where we're going to see uh, vehicles that are skyrocketing in price, I'm curious on what that's going to look like moving forward as well. But I guess time will tell, right? Because, by golly, we can't change that lifestyle, which is uh, pretty scary when eventually it's going to come down to where you can't afford anything and that depression is going to hit pretty dramatically. So that being said, that being said, I want to shift gears a little bit and get into another story and what's trending of the day. What's trending today? And now that we're like right in the middle of the fall school semester, it is time to kind of revisit the education system right now. Uh, and children, where we're at, the anxiety, the depression that we see right now, social media. And as a parent, show of hands, how many of you work with your children on a daily basis when it comes to homework or talking about what they learned at school today? We sure try. Little Voice of Reason, and again, she's nine. She's in the fourth grade, third grade fourth grade oh now now i'm gonna look like an idiot because i can't remember i think it's fourth grade now right yeah fourth grade i promise you it's fourth grade now uh (laughs) she is uh she's a rock star because she comes home and gets her homework done right away we help her out with whatever we can usually mrs voice of reason is the one doing that and she has her spelling words for the weekend by monday today usually has them all down which is awesome, especially for the fact that we went to that four-day school week this year. So uh, definitely beneficial. But are you involved and how involved are you when it comes to your children? Because now more than ever, it's time for us to be involved in the education system and what our children are doing, especially when it comes to social media, on the interweb, and so much more. Happy to talk about that and a heck of a lot more excited to have on here. She is author of the book, Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow, Forming Deeper and More Joyful Connections with Yourself and your children. Happy to have on here Holly Swenson. Holly, how are you today? I'm great, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on very much. Uh, it's it's so weird. I always talk about how the different generations obviously have their own challenges. And in today's times, the challenges for the young generation, for the youth of America especially, it's it's difficult because it's so much different than even when I was young. And I'm 35. I mean, I was kind of the last generation that didn't have computers uh, in front of our face the entire time. But this generation now, they're running into some really intriguing challenges today, aren't they? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's pretty staggering, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's, a, it's the, 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 uh, the social media and the computers, it, it almost seems like we can't get away from it, nor do we really want them to be behind on that stuff, do we? Right. It's a balancing act. And, you know, when, when kids are getting, you know, anywhere from 237 to 5,000 notifications a day, um, you know, that those are crazy numbers. Uh, so yeah, it's a balancing act to find that, that happy medium. Yeah. What age would you recommend for children to have a cell phone or have some type of uh, start a social media account? Again, my daughter's nine and she does not have a cell phone. Unlike all of her friends that do have cell phones right now. And uh, she obviously doesn't have a social media account. The only time she's allowed online is when she has her iPad that we give her certain time for. And she goes and she's a dork like me. She goes and watches YouTube videos about people building Minecraft things, but that's about all she's allowed to do. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a really, you know, personal decision for families, but I'm with you on, um, you know, having waited, we have four kids, we have four boys and uh, we have set um, ninth grade as our marker for cell phones. And I, you know, again, I think this is very individual, but I think kids are getting exposed to so much online that you have to keep a pulse on what's happening and, and what they're engaged in. Yeah. Yeah, it is concerning because it's so easy for them. And when you when they do go online, it's almost one of those things, too, where you have to put things into perspective of, hey, if you start this social media account, you're going to have people trying to talk to you. You're going to have these friends that like are kind of friends, but not really friends. And 
a like on social media is not like your friend that's sitting next to you talking about your deepest issues, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, and 95% of kids ages 13 to 17 are using social media. And, you know, what's kind of staggering about that percentage to me is that a third of those kids uh, reported using social media almost constantly. And so you're right. I mean, having a, you know, you know, one-on-one conversation with a friend versus, you know, somebody you might be talking to online is a, it's a very different experience and you don't always know who, you know, who you're actually talking to online for kids. And so yeah. you, ha- you have to be mindful of how you're approaching that. That is very true. Uh, we hear a lot of stats thrown out there about the number of students that have anxiety or depression or isolationism because of the fact that they're so focused on how many likes they get on their Instagram photos or that sort of thing. Is that true? I mean, are we seeing a, a massive rise in anxiety for younger and younger children because of being so dependent on, I need to get a certain amount of likes in order for people to like me. Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of living in this altered reality. Um, you know, and kids, like I said, I'm kind of with you where I didn't have a cell phone growing up. I didn't, you know, this is this kind of this newer generational, you know, issue we're, we're kind of coming up against, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's certain expectations that are being set that maybe aren't realistic and, and kids are, um, you know, they're absorbing all of that and they're trying to figure out how they fit in and, and, you know, likes feel important at that age, especially. And so it's, um, it's something that's challenging, I think, for them to, um, to kind of, you know, find that happy medium of what feels healthy and maybe what's, you know, spending too much time being absorbed in that world versus, you know, what's right in front of them. Yeah, that is very true. We're talking with Holly Swenson. She's author of the book Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow, which you can find online on her website at liveyourglow.live. Again, liveyourglow.live. Let's talk about bullying for a a second, because bullying, I think, has evolved as well in this sense of, um, well, I mean, you can have the bully on the playground in physical, you know, beating you up, or you can have them making fun of you online. Which one is worse in today's times, do you think, right now? Well, you know, I don't think either is ideal, you know, um, but I, I think that there is a lot of weight to online bullying. And I think it's hard, you know, uh, it's a hard thing for them to process. I mean, I think whether it's happening at school or happening online, you know, both are not okay, but both are an issue that a lot of youth have to deal with. And so I think having, you know, good support at home, you know, having, you know, good, good, a good family um, structure in place to help if some of that, you know, comes to the forefront to help them navigate and, and know how to process what's happening, I think that that's a key ingredient to helping our youth, um, you know, deal with those issues. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, now, again, with all these topics that we just covered here, where does the parents fall into this? Because I know, especially when you get into the teenage years, and I am not looking forward to the teenage years of my nine-year-old <laughs> daughter because I am I don't know that I'm prepared for those, but... Where does the parental um, involvement take place and how do you do that when they don't want to talk to you, but yet they're struggling because of these things they're seeing online or, or other places? Like where where's that role and how do we be there for those children without actually being there the way they want us to be there? <laughs> well, I think just keeping the communication lines open and letting your kid know that you're, you are available. I mean, even whether they choose to access, you, you know, that or not at certain points. I mean, that that ultimately it's it's their their experience. And so I think the more they know that you are there, you know, I think that gives them comfort whether or not they verbalize it. So I think just, you know, reminding them that, that, you know, you are that safe space. Um, and you know, I think, I think that it's a certain level, that's all you can do because, you know, they, they're going to have their friends, they're going to have to make choices. And so, you know, they need to have a certain amount of freedom, but then I think also knowing they have a safe space to come home to, um, is really important. 
Yeah. There was a TV show a few months ago that I enjoyed watching, and I talked a little bit about it on the air, but it was talking about the different styles of parenting nowadays. And from like free range to the helicopter parenting to just kind of letting your uh, the negotiation, negotiating with your kids to do anything in life. Um, in today's times, obviously, each parent has their own way of of working with their children. But is there a particular uh, style of parenting that you've seen that has been very beneficial to where I, I hate personally, I hate helicopter parenting. I think that, that does not set up a child for success at all because they're so dependent on the parent doing something for them that doesn't set them up for success. But at the same time now, like you said, to make sure they're talking they're not talking to someone weird online or that they're not going somewhere weird in a place where now we have, you know, child kidnappings going on all the time. It, it's hap- it's finding that happy medium and I'm not quite sure where that line's drawn nowadays. Yeah, and I I think that is it's a becoming a trickier issue to really tackle, but I'm really into, you know, kind of finding a balance and so I'm usually not like, you know, all the eggs in one basket. I kind of like being able to pull from different, you know, different trains of thought on on that sort of thing, like whether it is helicopter parenting or free range and really letting your kids, I mean, each kid is so different. We have four kids and I will say like, it's amazing how different, you know, each child is. I don't know how many kiddos you have, but. um, (laughs) Just my one daughter, uh, yeah. (laughs) Just your one daughter. And so what I found is, you know, they each have their different likes and dislikes and and I think just really, um, you, you kind of have to tailor it to each, you know, kiddo that you have. It, it, it's, a, it's a dynamic, ever-changing uh, process. Yeah. It is It is nice. It is nice to see kind of the different styles. And it was a fascinating show watching how every parent does because you're right. You could kind of pick different ideas from each one of them. It's just, I, I've always been one, and I guess I grew up in a little bit older generation to where it was like, go off and play and we'll see you when the sun comes down tonight. And you can't really do that in today's times, can you? Yeah, no, I grew up in the same same time time period. So it is a, it is a different world where you do have to have um, you know more awareness of what your kids are doing and where they're going and who they're with, and and it is unfortunate that there that some of those freedoms have um, kind of gone by the wayside. But I think where you can give them you know freedoms, it's nice to let them really you know have the best childhood possible. Yeah, that is true. We're talking with Holly Swenson. Uh, hang on the line here. we got to take a hard break. When we come back, I want to continue the conversation about uh, not only parenting styles, but other factors that are involved today. We're seeing a massive amount of depression or even school shootings, people lashing out and doing emotional reactions in society. Why are we seeing that? What can we do to prevent some of that? Some say it's because of video games. Others say because they've had that free reign and they were isolated all by themselves. We'll talk about that and how we can set them up for success and how you can have that best relationship with your child. It's The Voice of Reason. It's a Monday. Lots more to get to. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Truth, reason, common sense. That's what we do here on this program. Your political therapist each and every day. And right now we're talking about how to bring home that family unit, a very important, intricate portion of what we can do to better society each and every day. The youth of America trying to make sure that they're on a good foundation as well. We're hanging out with Holly Swenson. She is author of the book Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow forming deeper and more joyful connections with yourself and your children. You can find her website, her blog, her book information online at liveyourglow.live. That's liveyourglow.com. 
www.liveholly.live. Holly, let's talk about ways, first off, to communicate real quickly and give some tips about what we can do to communicate with the children. And as they go into the teenage years, they're starting to become rebellious. They realize that daddy can't do everything in the whole wide world, which is going to break my heart when that happens. But nonetheless, <laughs> when it does happen, uh, how can we be there for them still and keep that line of communication open when sometimes they don't feel like wanting to do that? Right. I mean, I think you just, again, have to, you know, touch base daily, whether they choose to talk or share, you know, that's going to ultimately be on them. But I think, you know, I always love like right before bed, just checking in or even after school, like how was your day? You know, who did you spend time with? How, you know, how's school feeling? I think having that that touchstone um, and that time to just, even if it's brief, to connect and at least open the channel and then whether they choose to, you know, go there with you or not, again, that's kind of you know, up to them. But I think just letting them know that you are open to receiving and, and helping have good dialogue with your kid on a daily basis is just so important. Yeah, that is true. Now, focusing on yourselves for a minute, for ourselves, and wanting to be that best parent, wanting to be that best adult that we can be to work on ourselves so we're not relaying, you know, generational trauma, so to speak, onto our children. We're not doing the same habits or routines that our parents did to us, maybe that we didn't like, bad habits or or ways of parenting that we didn't like as a child, what are ways that we can do to work on ourselves so that way we can give them that better life than maybe what we had in certain aspects? Sure, yeah. Well, you know, I just wrote a book, Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow, that has all kinds of good info in there to help you um, start turning that on and really activating it. Um, But I think, you know, I think the first you know, place to go with that is really learning to stop and assess kind of where you're at as a parent, if you've never taken a moment to do that. And really think about like, are there things that I'm, you know, carrying over with my children that I maybe wish I wasn't? And if you aren't happy with, you know, with the way that's feeling or the way, you know, your childhood went, then you have, you know, a responsibility to really reframe what what it is you want to be bringing to the table, you know, both for yourself and for your children. And I, I really believe that's the first um, the first stop um, uh-huh. on the road to that. I love that. How many parents, and I'm sure all of us have done it, myself included, where we look at the look at our spouse and we're like, I'm turning into my father. I'm turning into my mother. <laughs> and like, we've had those conversations, haven't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And you think like, how, how has this happened? Right. Um, but apparently it just, you know, keeps you keep passing the torch, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does it, is that a big issue? Do you think in a lot of, of uh, like, again, generational trauma, is that a big thing where we do continue on with the same bad habits one generation after another, after another, and we don't learn from those mistakes? You know, I always like, I really do think each generation is, is getting better, even though it doesn't always feel that way. Um, but I, I do think it, you know, in certain instances, it does just keep getting, you know, passed until one, you know, somebody kind of wakes up to snap out of it and say, you know what, these habits um, really didn't serve me, you know, or they, they you know, as a child, and I really don't want to continue with it. It's a, it really takes you becoming conscious of where you've been, where you are, and where you want to head to uh, to maybe make some shifts in your life to, you know, come into alignment with with the life you want to be living and and really the life you want to be helping your child, you know, step into and embrace as they grow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Then we can screw up in a whole new way and then they could start a new trend because that seems to be the, the <laughs> habit and many others as well. It's Holly Swenson, author of the book Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow. You can check it out on Amazon. Also check it out on her website as well, liveyourglow.live. Again, liveyourglow.live. 
www.live.live. It is uh, trying to bring the next generation in the best way possible. And we have some uh, challenges on our hands. We talk about anxiety and depression at all-time highs for these younger generations. we got to figure out a way to get them back on track and get them to think logically, get them to think rationally, and to get them on the right path for success. Holly, it's so good to talk to you, my friend. I absolutely love this conversation. we got to get you back on the show again soon. I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll do it again here uh, real soon. Again, that's Holly Swenson. Stop, drop, grow, and glow. Great conversation. I love it. Tomorrow, it's Halloween, baby. We're going to scare the you-know-what's off you. We're going to have some fun guests on uh, a psychic medium, I think, that not only just talks, but talks about your pets that may have gone beyond. Whether you believe it or not, it'll be entertaining nonetheless. We'll have some fun ghost stories as well, plus the latest out of Washington, D.C., and so much more. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.